Greetings to those who watch below. So today, we're going to take a look at another enigmatic entity. This one was suggested by a subscriber, so if there's a subject that you would like covered, please let me know. Before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Jess Black Curtain, Wicked Witch, Steffi Ray, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, and Ghost City Shelton for being those who dwell below. Now, time for some truly terrifying tales of black-eyed children. They let black-eyed children into their home. I have read many accounts of these black-eyed kids, but I don't think any really come close to what happened to me when I let two into my home. Some people think that if you let them in, that they will kill you. Obviously, I can say this is not true. This is what happened. I was sitting in my bedroom at home when I heard a knock at the door. It was not too late, so I didn't hesitate opening the door to whoever it was. When I opened it, there were two small children standing there. Both were looking at the floor. Yes, I said. The taller one asked if they could come in, as they were lost and the other boy needed the toilet. I live in an area where it was very easy to get lost, so I just assumed that they were telling the truth and were looking down because they were shy, even though the one talking spoke very confidently. So, I let them in. The one who needed the toilet just walked in and went straight up the stairs, so I shouted up that it was on the right. I don't know why I didn't find this strange, but most toilets were upstairs, and as he was young, I didn't think anything of it. I told the other one that the phone was down the hall. Thanks, he said, and he started to walk down the hall. I followed him, and then I very suddenly came over with a really awful feeling, like something bad was about to happen. I became very nervous and a bit shaky, and I still can't explain how that happened. The boy stopped at the phone and paused. Everything okay? Everything okay? I asked. He turned to me and looked up, and that's when I saw his eyes. And trust me, I will never get that picture out of my head. I was so scared. I was so scared that I couldn't even scream. As I turned to run down the hall, the other kid was standing at the end. I became very dizzy and struggled to stand up. He walked closer to me and said that they had been sent to collect me. I still couldn't bear to look into his face. I pushed away from him and ran into my front room and slammed the door shut. I was in so much shock about what was happening, I couldn't even think straight. This is something that you don't expect to happen, even in movies. After standing against the door for around an hour or so, I finally got the courage to make a run for the back door. So I ran to it and unlocked it. I ran into the back of my garden and jumped over the fence, not once looking back. My friend lived close so I ran to his house. I told him the story and as I guessed, he was a bit sceptical about it. I convinced him to come back with me. When we got there, we looked around the whole house, but couldn't find them. Ever since this happened, I have always had a dream that these kids with the black eyes stand over my bed, with their hands stretching towards me. I hope to God that I never see them again. Black-Eyed Kids Terrorise Hiker in Michigan First, a quick intro about myself. I'm a 26-year-old male. I work at a small private college in Michigan. I'm a normal average guy. I like hockey, 
HBO shows, kayaking, and hiking and camping. I have a girlfriend, love my dad and sister, and have a pet dog called Bear. While I keep an open mind, I don't believe in ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, and I'm not even too sure about God. The way I see it, if I haven't encountered it firsthand, or seen documented, verifiable proof, then I keep a healthy amount of scepticism. There's one thing I do believe in now, that I never did before. Hell, I didn't even know about it before. Black-eyed kids. As I said earlier, I love to hike and camp. For reasons too introspective to go fully into here, I just love the solitude, peace and serenity the outdoors provided me. My life isn't overly stressful, chaotic or dramatic, but every once in a while, a man needs to get away from it all. Being alone in the wilderness gave me the opportunity to clear my head, be introspective, consider the facts of life. I loved the beauty of the natural world, and I tried to appreciate the small and big things, from the smallest clover to the biggest mountains. Beauty is all around us. In a way, I think it's my belief in beauty that has helped me cope as well as I have with what I'm about to share. In late August of 2010, I set out for Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, located along Lake Michigan. I had scheduled five days off of work, and I planned on making the most of it. Sleeping Bear is one of my favourite parks in Lower Michigan. I know it to be a great place for some solitude, and having usually been abandoned by sun worshippers by mid-August, I knew I'd have most of the park to myself. So, I wasn't surprised when I arrived the first day, found my usual parking spot, a sandlot just yards from the lake, and didn't see another person. As I sat on the hood of my car, overlooking the beach and lake, I remember breathing deeply and saying aloud, ah, thank God for solitude. I ate lunch, walked down the beach, and put my bare feet into the water. Cold. It was very cold. It didn't matter to me, though, because I didn't come to swim. I came to hike and to camp. I came to, as was my tradition, sit by a warm fire on a cool night, sipping on my flask of whiskey, enjoying the sounds of the forest. However, this peaceful tradition didn't happen. The proper procedure when camping at a state or national park, if you've never been, is to check in at the ranger station. There you pay your fees, obtain your backcountry pass, and if you're going to be camping in the backcountry, as I always do, give the rangers your information, license plate number, make and model of your car, all that. After my quick stop off at the beach to eat my lunch, I headed to the nearby station and got my affairs in order. The Platte River Ranger Station is manned until mid-October, I think, so it was open, and I didn't have to travel to the main station a half-hour drive north. I park in the station's parking lot and walk into the office. The ranger and I spoke for a little, and he asked for my license plate number. I knew he was going to ask, but I still forgot to write it down before I went in, so I walk back out toward my car, and I see two kids sitting at a bench just in front of where I'm parked. They weren't there when I parked and I didn't notice them when I walked into the station. But at this point in time, I'm still on cloud nine. I'm happy to be on vacation, so I take no real notice. I walk to the back of my car, jot down the license plate number, and walk back to the office. I take care of business in the office, and step out and walk to the connecting bathroom. The backcountry area I'm staying at, White Pine, has a pit toilet. Think Porter John, but just a deep hole in the ground, 
but I'd like to use a real bathroom while I can. I go to the restroom and into an empty stall. As I'm taking care of my business, I hear the bathroom door open. I hear whispered voices. It's a small bathroom, but I can't make out what the voices are saying. I can tell they're kids' voices though, and I figure it's the kids I saw near my car earlier. No biggie, right? I finish up and open the stall door. Sure enough, there are two kids standing outside the stall. I remember saying, it's all yours, as I walked to the sink. The kids just stood there. When you think about it now, the situation seems a little spooky. But at the time, and if you're in the situation yourself, I bet you wouldn't be the slightest bit worried, and neither was I. I wash my hands and glance in the mirror, only to notice the kids are looking right at me. This is the first time, but certainly not the last time on this trip, that my spine tingles with fear. These goddamn kids have completely black eyes. No whites to them at all. Like I said, this is a pretty small bathroom, and they were no more than three feet away. At first, I can't do or say anything. I'm literally frozen with fear. The water runs over my hands, but I can't feel it. I'm so deep inside my head at this moment, that all I could hear are my thoughts. I was petrified. It was only when one of the two kids a brown-haired boy that I would guess was around 12, took a step toward me that my fight-or-flight instincts took over control from my fear. I turned off the water, why I bothered, I don't know, habit I guess, and moved a step back from the kids and toward the door. Seemingly sensing my fear, the boy didn't take another step toward me, instead he stopped. In retrospect, I can guess he was trying to keep from frightening me too much. It didn't work. Can you help us? That's what the boy said when he finally spoke. For a moment, I did want to help. I considered myself a pretty nice guy. I'd go out of my way to help pregnant women carry groceries to their car. I'd rescue cats from trees if the situation arose. And for a while, I thought that is why I wanted to help those creepy kids. I thought my sheer decency was what made me, despite my better judgement, and despite my fear, want to help them. Only since I began researching the black-eyed kids do I realise that I didn't want to help the kids, but whatever magical, mystical, voodoo power they have made me want to help them. I can't tell you with any certainty how long I stood motionless thinking about helping those kids, but it seemed like an eternity. Finally, like a physical shaking of my brain, I said, No, not right now. I gotta go. And I left the bathroom. I remember, in those two seconds that my back was turned on those kids, to me leaving the bathroom, I felt certain I was going to die. I thought as soon as my back was turned, they were going to tear me to shreds. It was with knee-buckling relief that I left the bathroom and walked out into the midday sun. I walked the fifteen or so feet to my car on noodle-like legs, too afraid to look behind me. I fumbled for my keys and unlocked my car, sat down closed the door, and locked it again. Only then, in the safety of my locked car, did I feel safe enough to look back toward the bathroom. Damned if the little bastards weren't standing just outside the bathroom, staring at me with the big, black, soul-sucking eyes. I want to take a moment to explain a little more about myself. I'm not a big man, but I'm not small either. I'm six foot, 
with shoes on, I always say, and I'm around 185 pounds. What I'm saying is, I can take a couple of 12 year olds in a fight. I assume so anyway. I've never actually fought any 12 year olds since I was 12 myself. In my hiking, I've encountered odd people before. I've turned a bend in a trail, only to startle a huge grizzly. I've been lost, once, and run out of water. I even had a tree fall in the middle of my campsite during a gale-swept night in Tennessee, as I was drifting off to sleep. However, not a single event in my life scared me nearly as much as those kids. So there I am, in my car, staring at the kids, and them staring at me. I can't take my eyes away from them, and they start toward my car. Startled to my senses, I turn the key, throw it in reverse, and get the hell out of there. I drive off, not daring to look in the rearview mirror. I know that if I do look back, that I'll see those black eyes looking at me. I turn onto the main road, and head the short drive north to my campsite. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Why the hell are you still camping? To be honest, I can't tell you why. I was just so much in shock, that I wasn't really thinking. It wasn't until I was parked in the sandlot, at the head of the White Pine Trail, that my brain started functioning again. The drive home would only take three hours. I could make it in time for dinner. But for some reason, I talked myself out of it. Sitting in my car, in the sun, on the beach, has a way of taking away all the bad feelings. I just talked away my better judgement. I won't be doing that again. It was around 3pm, and I know that the sun will start to set in around 3 or 4 hours, so I know I should head toward my camping spot. It's not a very long walk from the parking lot to the White Pine Backcountry Campground, but it will take around 45 minutes, leaving me just a couple of hours to set up camp, gather firewood, cook dinner, and eat before nightfall. Fuck it, I remember saying to myself. I get my pack out my back seat, and take off down the trail. Now, there are two ways to access the White Pine Campground from where I was parked. I could either head through the woods, or I could walk along the beach. The wooded trail is quicker and shorter, and the beach trail is harder on the legs and lungs. However, considering what I went through, I decided to go along the beach. It was the more open, brighter, kinder trail. To reach the campsite from the beach trail, you have to turn away from the lake, and go about a half mile into the woods. Reaching my campsite, I find it, unfortunately, completely empty. The campground has seven sites, I think, and not a one of them was taken. Usually this would be a happy thing for me, but at this time, I wished for all my might for a little company. I pick a site hidden fairly well from the trail, feeling that I didn't need anyone walking along to spot my tent. I unpack, and set up my ultralight one-person tent, put down my sleeping pad, and unroll my zero-degree rated mummy bag, taking my walking stick, which was a sword-off hockey stick, and folding knife with me. I head into the forest to gather firewood. I pile up a good-sized pile, three times larger than I think I'll need, and proceed to light a fire. I cook my food and eat, all the while watching the sunset through the trees. What is normally a beautiful warming sight to me, now only brings dread. I do not want to be out here, I suddenly realise. I finish eating quickly, and decide to gather even more firewood. I do not want to run out in the middle of the night. As the darkness descends upon the woods and my campsite, 
I get the fire going, and rifle through my pack looking for my flask. This was a situation that called for a little liquid courage. I hit it hard. In the woods, the sun sets at first slower than you think, and near the end, just kind of falls out of the sky, and is gone in a blink, as it did that night. Sitting next to the fire, I decide to move my tent closer to me, so I click on my flashlight and move my tent until it is right behind the small bench next to the firing. I like having the tent behind me, it protected my back as I saw it. I'm glad I decided to gather more firewood, because I'm burning through it quickly, keeping the fire as high as I am. Even though it's early autumn, and the temperature was probably in the 40s, I was hot, sitting so close to such a big fire. Part of getting away from it all for me is to leave my phone in the car. In civilization, I don't use a watch, I just look at my cell. However, this night, I wish I had my cell on me. Not to call someone, as there was no service, but to check the time. I wanted it to be late. I wanted the night to fly by, and give me the security of morning. I finished the whiskey, and wished that I had brought the bottle with me from the car. The spirits were doing their job, though, and I was a bit calmer. Also, I was feeling sleepy too. Though the rules say, don't go to bed with your fire burning, I sure as hell was not going to sleep without the fire. I got in my tent, leaving the flap open with just the bug flap closed, so I could see the fire and try to sleep. I don't know how long I lay there before sleep found me, but I did eventually drift off. Thankfully, I can't remember having any dreams. I woke to a dead fire, and the early dusk light coming in. I have to say, I was slightly surprised to be alive. As dawn turned into day, I felt more and more foolish for the fear I had felt yesterday. Being a usually calm, cool and collected guy, I couldn't explain the intense dread and fear I felt when I saw those kids. But I did my best to ignore it, and I explained away their eyes pretty easily. I told myself the kids were camping at the Platte River campground, the same location as the ranger station I registered at, that they had some coloured contact lenses and were playing a joke. Simple. Possible, even probably considering the alternative. I ate breakfast and then made, upon hindsight, a horrible decision. I decided to stay another night. After breakfast, I gathered firewood so that I wouldn't have to gather any when I got back for the evening. My pile of wood was at a towering height, and I hiked back to my car along the wooded trail. I arrived at my car and decided to go to the dune climb. The dune climb is a trail that begins at a towering dune and ends one and a half miles away at Lake Michigan. This hike was uneventful, but beautiful, providing me with even more determination not to let myself be scared off by some stupid kids with contact lenses. I got back to the car from the round trip hike right around one. I got out my small camp stove and cooked some soup. Finished with lunch. I decided that next I would take the scenic drive, I forgot the name of the road, that is part of the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. It's a winding drive with several scenic and educational pull-offs. It's relaxing and beautiful. I finished with that around 3, and decided I would head to Traverse City, just a 45 minute drive away, and do a little shopping, and grab an early dinner at a nice steakhouse. This isn't something I would normally do while camping, but after the previous night's events, I decided to treat myself. 
Traverse City is a nice town to visit, if you ever have the chance. I went to this steakhouse just outside of Traverse around 4.30, figuring a quick dinner, a 45 minute drive and an hour walk would get me to my camp at just about dusk. But that's not what happened. The restaurant was packed. I got a table fairly quickly, but the service was very slow. In the end, I didn't get out of the restaurant until dusk. Cursing myself, it began to rain as I drove back to the trailhead parking lot. By the time I was at the lot and parked, it was full-blown nighttime. Sitting in the parking lot, listening to the wind and the rain, I was pretty damn scared again. I think that if nearly all of my gear wasn't still at the campsite, then I would have just drove home and said screw it. However, I couldn't abandon several hundred dollars worth of camping equipment because I was scared. I gear up. Flashlight, pocket knife, water bottle, headlamp and walking stick. Again, I had two options. Through the woods or along the beach. The storm clouds blocked out most of the star and moonlight, so I would have been kidding myself to think that the beach would have been better lit. But it was still more open and provided me with a better feeling, so I took the beach path. The path is only a mile and a half long. I figured if I hustled, I could be back at my campsite in just over half an hour. I turned on my headlamp and moved down the beach. The wind is hitting pretty hard, and it's pretty damn cold, but I'm prepared. My coat has a nice rain shell, and I'm not getting too wet. Hiking in the dark is not smart in the best of circumstances. In this area, there are cougars and bear, both rare, but the real danger is getting lost, or stumbling over something and injuring yourself. However, I wasn't too worried about any of that. The animals are so rare in that area, it'd take very bad luck to be bothered by them, and the beach was clear of most debris that you might trip on. What had me worried was a creeping sensation of paranoia. As I walked, the sensation of paranoia and dread grew. I stopped every ten feet or so to look around, lighting the tall grass next to the beach and before the woods with my headlamp. I opened my jaw and listened, but saw nothing and heard nothing. I'd walk another ten feet and just know that someone was watching me. It was hard to hear anything over the lapping waves of the lake and the howling wind of the storm, but I swear I heard voices in the tall grass. I'd been walking probably half an hour. I would be meeting off with the trail leading into the woods and to my campsite any second now. But then, my world fell apart. Having one of the strongest moments of feeling watched, I turned around, facing the direction I came. And there they were. The boy who spoke to me earlier couldn't have been more than five feet away, and the other boy, the quiet one, was standing slightly behind him. Each of the boys stood motionless, Staring. Just staring. At this moment, I'm not sure I have the ability to put my terror into words. The best way I can describe it is to say I felt like I was dying. I felt like I was in the hospital, and the doctor just told me I had moments to live. The talkative boy moved toward me. The only light on the beach came from my headlamp. Neither kid had any sort of flashlight. My LED beam flashed across their faces reflecting grotesquely in their large, dark eyes. The waves crashed, and the wind blew. Help us. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I could barely breathe. The boy moved closer. The quiet boy stepped to his side, almost like he was slowly circling behind me, and that broke the spell. 
I'm not fucking helping you, I said. We're lost. We can't find our campsite. Is this a game? I asked, even though I knew it wasn't. Take us with you. Please, we'll die out here. We're afraid. I call bullshit on that one. They're scared, I thought to myself. I'm scared. You're the one with the creepy eyes, the vacant, hollow voices. You're the ones with the fisheye stare. The quiet boy moved a little more. He was now standing beside me, just a couple of feet away. The talkative boy was still in front of me, blocking the way I had come, blocking the path back to my car. Things got even weirder. Okay, you can come with me, I said. I don't remember even thinking the words, they just came out. The talkative boy smiled and reached to take my hand. The fight-or-flight response hit me so hard, it was like a physical punch to the stomach. I recoiled at the sight of this little monster trying to take my hand. Before I even realised it, I'm running down the beach. I'm sprinting away from the little bastards, and my car as fast as I can. I don't look behind me. I don't know if they're following me or not, and I don't want to know. All I know is that I needed to run faster. I'm in decent shape, but given any normal circumstance, I would never be able to run so quickly for so long on the beach. My headlamp bounced up and down. I see the offshoot trail leading from the beach into the woods. Without much thought, if any, I take the trail and head into the woods. My senses finally returning to me, I jumped off the trail and move a little ways into the woods. I turn off my headlamp and lie down among the tall grass. I watch the trail waiting to see the kids following. I waited, in the rain and cold, for God knows how long. A couple hours at least. No kids. The cold was slowly creeping in. I wasn't sure if I was shivering because of the adrenaline, the fear, or the cold, but I do know I was starting to freeze. I had to leave my concealment and make way to shelter. I had two options. The tent and sleeping bag, or the car. The car meant safety. It meant home. However, it also meant that I would have to walk a mile and a half in the dark with God knows who or what waiting for me. The tent meant warmth and shelter from the elements. It meant exposure to the kids. If the kids knew where I was hiking and when, then they'd know where I was camping, right? It was an impossible decision. It was a choice of the lesser of two evils. I chose the tent. I just couldn't force myself to go back along the wooded trail, and I sure as hell wasn't going back along the beach. I crossed my fingers and prayed that the little bastards didn't know where my tent was. I got up, found the trail, and sprinted the half mile to the campground. As I ran, a thought occurred. Maybe someone will have hiked in during the day. Maybe I'll have company. There was no life at the campground. When I arrived, I made a wide circle of it, looking both for other campers and for the little devils. I saw nothing and no one. I made my way in, as quietly as possible, to my tent, unzipped the fly and crawled in. I thought briefly about a fire, but decided it would be more of a signal to the kids than deterrence. My clothes were sopping wet, and I was still very cold. I had to take them off. My pack is leaning against a tree about 15 feet from my tent, Inside are clean, dry clothes, sealed tightly in a wet bag. However, now I'm inside the tent, 
I'm sure as hell not going back out. It gave me some sense of security, even though it wasn't in any way secure. After undressing, I crawl inside my mummy bag. After a few moments, I warm up, but the shivers take another 20 minutes or so to subside. As I'm lying there, I'm wishing so much that I had that bottle of whiskey in my car. The rain plays against the leaves of the trees, and the wind creaks the branches. Under the best of circumstances, this is a night where a person's mind can get away from them. For me, it was utter terror. My imagination made every creak, every howl of the wind into something sinister. As the hours passed, and my adrenaline faded, I felt immensely tired. I wanted so badly to fall asleep. In sleep, I wouldn't know I was being eviscerated. I'd either wake up, or I wouldn't. I thought it was a nightmare at first, when I heard the voice say something. I thought I was dreaming, but then sleep cleared from my head, and I realised I was awake. It was still night, and the storm was still biting. Help us, an unmistakable voice said. I couldn't help it. It was a gut reaction. I screamed, laying naked, my mummy bag zipped up to my chin. I was completely helpless. I felt like a newborn baby, my fate completely held in the hands of others. Please let us in. No, I screeched, and then again, no. It's so cold. Please let us in, mister. I stopped replying and could only sob, like a heartbroken teenage girl. I was so uncontrollably scared that I think it helped me not to pay attention to the kids' demands, at least not fully. Let us in. I took the pull string on the hood of my mummy bag until I was completely enveloped. I just kept repeating, not daring to listen to the kids, the word no. No, 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 no. I waited for death. I knew it was coming. Any second, and I'd be ripped to shreds. The kids kept saying something, but I wasn't listening. I wouldn't listen. I knew how overwhelming their hypnotic power was. I did everything I could not to listen. I kept chanting my mantra, kept howling my nose. I didn't know when I fell asleep, but the next thing I know, I startled awake. The sun is shining and I'm alive. I don't know how, but I'm alive. I look around my small tent, and I don't see anything amiss on the inside. It takes me several minutes to gather the courage necessary to unzip the tent fly, but finally I do. I peek my head out, but see no one. Naked, I run to my pack and grab my clothes in the dry bag. I toss them on and race back to the tent, tearing it down in a matter of moments, pack my sleeping bag and pad and tent onto my pack, and take off down the trail. I decide one more time to take the beach trail. In the sun and warmth of the morning, it was entirely different. The only moment I am given pause is when I come across a duck with what seems to be its heart torn out. I arrive at my car and find it unmolested. I get in and drive home. It's been almost two entire months since this happened, but I still remember it all like it was yesterday. I haven't been camping since, and I don't know if I'll ever feel safe hiking again. Maybe I'll go camping again sometime in the future, but I'm bringing a friend. No more going it alone. I thankfully haven't seen any more black-eyed kids. I don't want to posit on what they are. I don't want to think about whether they are demons or monsters, aliens or hybrids. 
I was interested at first. I did some research because I wanted to know if I was crazy. I don't care what you think they are. I don't care what they are. I just wanted to know that I wasn't the only one who has had this experience. My advice if you ever do encounter a black-eyed kid, don't listen to it speak. Don't be polite in case they're just weird kids. Don't question their validity. Don't worry about looking silly, or that others will think you're crazy. Just run. Run, and never look back. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more about Black Eyed Kids, please let me know in the comments section below. Or, like I said, there's another subject you want me to cover, let me know that as well. So, until next time, sleep tight.